0: Hi everyone, this is Danny.
1: And this is Sharissa, ready to bring you Looking Up.
0: Starting right after this song.
2: Well, good afternoon,
0: everyone, and welcome to another Looking Up show here with Danny Malenkov and Shell in our studio running this wonderful Hello, tight everyone. ship. It's good to have you, Shell. Have you had a good week so far? Really good. Oh, yeah. i to the say Lord. goodbye
1: to the family today, though. Sent them back home to Emerald, my Uh, oldest son and his family.
0: uh, And the little one. Yes. The little one. (laughs) Oh boy. Well it's great to have family, great to have grandchildren and today we have a special guest that I am so looking forward for you all meeting today on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon here where we are in the Hunter. It's July 19. We are in the second half of the year and it's hard to Hard to believe that the first half of the year has already gone by, but I want to give a big, special, warm welcome, and shells ready for it, to Pastor David Bertelson, who will be known as David, a good friend of mine. Welcome to the show.
3: Thanks for the welcome, Danny.
0: It's good to have you, David. And um, yeah, David's been a good friend of mine ever since we bumped into each other. In the land of the long white cloud, which would be? <laughs>
3: <laughs> New Zealand. New Zealand, yes. So
0: we bumped into each other. Uh, back in New Zealand, well, in the last millennium, in the last century, <laughs> I started ministering there in 1999. So yeah, that's that many years ago. And you were pastoring there in New Zealand at the time? That's true. And that's when we first bumped into each other. And so, yeah, we've developed a wonderful friendship over the years, and we'll probably talk a little bit about that. But today we're here to hear uh, David's journey of faith. It's an incredible story, and these um number of weeks while Sharissa's away with Justin and their little bubs, um, Judah, I was about to say Judas. <laughs> Their little bums Judah. I was so close. This was, that would have been the biggest gaff. <laughs> anyway, they're they're away in the United States at the moment, visiting family, Justin's family, and so we've got four testimonies lined up. And we had a fantastic testimony last week, and this week we have Pastor David. Uh, Bertelson and he's going to share his testimony and then we've got two more in the coming weeks so you don't want to be missing out on these wonderful testimonies so we're looking forward to hearing your story of faith um, it'll be in the next hour so we're going to be dealing with current events in light of Bible prophecy after the music break but just to give the folk our phone number in case you want to send us a message um, or a question for David the number is 04. 88817624. That's 048817624. That is our looking up number. And so you're going to be in for a treat. If you've got a friend or an enemy, send them a message, invite them and encourage them to jump on board and to listen to this powerful story of God's grace and leading in a man's life. So in the meantime, sit back and listen to Jenny Lee Riddle, broken for love's sake, and we'll be back.
4: Come to seek and to save those who've lost their way. So seek me or I won't be found. You've come to keep and sustain those whom you have named. So keep me, oh, keep me now. It gets hard You go before me as a shield When it's too late You come behind me and you heal Should my heart break When love's the only way So be it, Lord May I be broken for love I will trust and obey more and more each day, as you take your place in me. And should I ever fail or stumble in. You will help me to my feet When it gets hard You go before me as a shield When it's too late You come behind me and you heal Should my heart break When love's the only So be it, Lord, may I be broken for love's sake. When it gets hard, you go before me as a shield. When it's too late, you come behind me and you heal. Should my heart break? When love's the only way. So be it, Lord. May I be broken for love's
2: sake.
0: That was Jenny Lee Riddle, Broken for Love's Sake. Beautiful song and glad you are joining us on this beautiful afternoon. I don't know where you are, but it's Absolutely beautiful here in the Hunter. It's a sunny winter's day. Just glorious, isn't it, Dave? We were out there in the sunshine just waiting for the program to start. Wasn't it just wonderful?
3: Warms the cockles of your heart, as they used to say. (laughs) I'm
0: telling you, that's why we have Kiwis on the program from time to time, to just warm the cockles of our heart. And Americans are just as good most of the time. Isn't that right, Shell? (laughs) So, folk, wherever you're joining us from around Australia or other parts of the world, because we go online and so you're able to listen to this program online. And from hopefully, hopefully you have the Faith FM app. It's great to have the Faith FM app. So wherever you are, as long as you've got internet connection, you can be tuning in and listening um, either live or you can be listening at a later time. Dave, all the programs that Faith FM run are on the Faith FM app which I'm not sure if you have. If you don't, we'll make sure you have that. Um, and you can listen to them as podcasts as, at a later time, which is great. And you can send them off to others and share with others. So it's a really great, neat app. So that's the Faith FM app. Just go to your app store and download that. And, yeah, all the programs are on there uh, from the past. So the last three years of the Looking Up show are all on there. So you can go for a big binge. A looking up a binge. <laughs> so, folks, um, just that number again, if you want to send in a question or a comment or you have a prayer request, we we take prayer requests. Or you want to study the Bible with someone, you want to learn about God, you want to learn how you can be ready for His soon return. That's why we call it the Looking Up Show. Because Jesus said, when you see all these things, look up because your redemption is drawing near. And we're about to go to a few headlines that tell us that the coming of Jesus is drawing near. And that number is 4 Now, before we move into what's happening in the world um, when it comes to signs of Jesus coming, just a reminder that this coming Friday night, if there's anyone hanging around living close or, or in the Newcastle region, the Newcastle University students uh, are holding a seminar where I'll be presenting in person. So that's this coming Friday night, uh, 21st of July. It begins at 6.30pm at the New Space university building that's n u space university building 409 hunter street newcastle you can go to the website where all the details are there regarding the program and the various sessions it'll go for two weeks beginning this friday night you can go to discoverhope.life. dot life there you go discover hope dot life uh, there's a clue in that website if you're interested in <laughs> for the for the prize giveaway that we're going to have discoverhope.life it's fascinating pastor david didn't even know what my website is and here we go we have connected um with the same words so anyway discoverhope.life and you'll find all the details there so it starts this coming friday night discover hope finding peace in uncertain times and, uh, yeah, we're going to be taking a look at the Search for Certainty this Friday night, Saturday morning, two sessions, um, Living on the Edge of Eternity, and then Rescue from Above. It's going to be really, really good, and you'll be blessed. You'll meet a whole bunch of young people. You'll receive resources. You'll hear messages that will warm the cockles of your heart, as David has said, and, uh, yeah, it will help you and prepare you for the soon return of Jesus. So I can't encourage you enough, or if you're not living in the Newcastle area, you might be further afield, but you've got friends or family or anyone, friend or an enemy, everyone needs to be ready for the coming of Jesus. Invite them to come along. So discover hope.life. All right, Dave, let's, let's talk a little bit about what's been going on in the world. There's a whole heap going on in the world. And you watch the news, so you're abreast of what's going on. What do you think, just in general terms,
3: the news is telling us? Well, I believe that the news is saying the end is near. hmm um, when you look at what Jesus said about the end of time, and you look at what's occurring around the world, mm. both in the natural world, political world, uh, etc. Um, yeah, hey. I see it as all portents of the coming of the Lord. Mm.
0: Yeah, what you just shared there, Yeah, whether you're looking at the natural world, the political world, the economic world, social world, whatever world we're looking at, we can see a convergence. I use that word, convergence of signs. All the things Jesus said, those labour pains that he talked about, uh, are really accelerating, um, not only in frequency but in intensity. And so that's telling us that Jesus is coming very soon. Now, talking about the natural world, let's start off there. Just this week, it's been in the news, and you and I were chatting about it as we were driving to the studio here, uh, that climate, global climate records have been broken. Again, this last week, especially there in Europe, um, for the second time this week, experts say it's a death sentence. And I'm reading from this SBS uh, news headline and this is what it shares here in the in the subtitle the average global temperature surpassed 17 degrees celsius for two days in a row as heat waves heat waves sizzled around the world now 17 degrees doesn't seem like a lot Um, in fact it's more than 17 degrees right now but this is the average global temperature and we know that you know when it's Summer up north, it's winter down here and and vice versa. And we're dealing with the two extremes of our planet, you know, the North Pole and the South Pole. So when you pull all the temperatures together from around the world, it's 17 degrees. And just to to help us understand, the record prior to this was in August 2016, and it was 16.92 degrees. And then... On Monday of this week, it was seventeen degrees, and then on Tuesday, the very next day, it went up to seventeen point one eight degrees. So we've so we've broken the record two days in a row.
3: Yeah, and I believe that it will continue, and uh, it's for me, uh, and I think for most people in the world, as they look at this, they're going. Where are we going? Mm. and uh there's only one answer, yeah, in my mind mm. as as a pastor, where are we going? We're racing towards the end of time, and uh in that, of course, we just have to sit back and look and understand what Jesus said would occur mm. and uh. You know, we have the pestilences, we have the wars, we have all of the various signs. Famines. Yeah.
0: Earthquakes or natural disasters.
3: Yeah. Mm. And I mean, right now in New Zealand, for example, Mm -hmm. you've got the court cases um, of the events that occurred at White Island.
0: That's right, with the explosion of that volcano. Do you want to share a little on that?
3: Well, White Island is a highly active volcanic area. Mm -hmm. And... Personally, I would never go there. Mm. But uh, tourist- whereabouts is
0: it sort of in geographically? Uh, okay,
3: off the east coast of the North Island of New Zealand, near Auckland. No, 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 further south. Further south, okay. Yeah, and you know, people will make money in any way that they can, mm. <laughs> which is another sign. And uh, they take tourist boats out there, off the big ships. Mm-hmm. They go on board uh, the island and uh, unfortunately this time they were there at the wrong time. Mm. And uh, I think it was, what was it, 17 Australians died. Yeah, I think about 17 Australians died uh, sadly. Plus others. And, uh, you know, that's trauma in the highest sense of people who um, just got burnt Mm. uh, with, I mean, we can go back. And you think of Pompeii, what mm. happened way back there? And there were warning signs. Yes, yes. Mm. And this is this is a, a microcosm mm. of that mi- macrocosm yeah. of Pompeii, yeah, where people died because of the gas, because of the heat, because of the gas. Mm. And uh, how how many times we have to be warned about mm. things before we actually start to listen? Mm. And uh, yeah, in our own age, we've yeah. had that.
0: It's interesting that um, we have, we have this, this issue with the climate and the scientists, the secular scientists, especially in our Western world, uh, putting it down to human-induced climate change uh, where we're responsible, you know, the carbon, carbon emissions and so on and so forth. Whereas we know from Scripture that Satan has power and we know from the story of Job, he has power to control the elements. And so we know that he can have his sticky, evil fingers in this pie and in order to orchestrate events in order to achieve his purposes. And we know that his purpose at the end of time is to receive worldwide worship. We know that from the book of Revelation. And so it's interesting that you have, you know, a lot of Christians, uh, who are seeing these climate catastrophes or this, uh, climate, um, you know the these climate events, they're seeing them as judgments from God because of the immorality that is taking our Western world by storm that's coming through like a tsunami. And yet you, you've got the secular climate kind, so then they're, they're not speaking of immorality because they're kind of promoting that, the left and the right. you know, you've got the left and the right, and they're saying, well, it's human induced. So it's interesting how the enemy is bringing these sides together on this issue of climate. From one end, or the other. And it's interesting that the seven last plagues, the first four plagues are dealing with with disasters wreaking havoc on our planet. And one of them is the sun, the fourth one. So it's really, really interesting how, how this is not only part and parcel of what's happening right now, but this will be part and parcel of, of I guess, God's judgments at the end of time um, when everything is said and done and probation is closed and so on and so forth.
3: Yeah. Um, God's judgments uh are not evil. Mm. God's judgments are a wake up call mm. saying, hang on guys, look at what's happening. Uh it's time for you to put your thinking caps on. Yeah. And uh yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's fascinating. So and um, talking about that it's interesting that I was just reading um this uh interesting headline from uh, from a Christian website uh, and the headline caught my attention it was over 6000 united methodist congregations this is in the United States of America voted to leave the denomination as it becomes more flexible with gay marriage and lgbtq plus ministers so we have we have 6000 congregations you know leaving the united you know methodist Church there in the United States of America, which has a, a huge population. It's one of the largest denominations there in the United States of America, and they're forming their own organization. And that is since 2019. So, you know, that's four years ago, 6,000 churches have left. That's an enormous amount, 1,500 a year. That's a lot per week, you know, that are just walking away from the organization because of the way the organization is now... Uh, dealing with clear scriptures and redefining morality. Yeah. So this is another sign, surely.
3: And it's not the first. Mm. Way back in New Zealand, the Presbyterian Church had a major split with Professor Gearing uh, saying that God was dead.
0: Mm. Wow.
3: You know, Uh, and this this will cycle. Yeah. As the psalmist said, you know, they're... things are cyclic there Mm. was a time to be born a time to live a time to die a time you know and uh, we will see it more and more
0: Mm, we will so we're seeing we're seeing a convergence from all angles whether it be christian um, whether it be secular and it's just all all in a flux and people are wondering where to there's a lot of confusion a lot of angst out there and you know, we talked about last week. We don't have time to talk about it this week. We may on another occasion because it's going to be in the news, but the misinformation disinformation bill and how that's going to impact freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and even our opportunity here on this radio program to speak from the Bible, which may be considered hate speech. And, you know, there will be legislation put in place if the Albanese government has their way that will have a huge impact not just on free speech, but especially on on religious rights that we have valued for a long time. So, yeah, we're living in interesting times, aren't we?
3: Incredibly so.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) Well, folk, um, that's all we've got time for this week um, on news headlines as they connect with Bible prophecy. We'll be dealing with more of them next week. But in the meantime, listen to Jason Horde, How Deep the Father's Love. The news will be after that, and then we will rejoin with the testimony of David. Discover Hope, a seminar to help you find peace in these uncertain times, is coming to Newcastle University. Join presenter Faith FM's own Danny Melenkov for 13 presentations between July 21 and August 5 at the New Space University building on 409 Hunter Street, Newcastle, New South Wales. Lunch or light refreshments are provided for each of these amazing presentations. If you want to discover from the Bible what the future holds and what it has in store for us, Come
5: along, call 0425 394 121 for more information.
2: You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
0: You're listening to The Looking Up Show on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon in July. It's a glorious winter's afternoon and we have a very special guest here in the studio in case you have tuned in in the last little bit. We have uh, my good friend David Bertelsen who is a pastor and minister. He's retired now but not very retired. He's still doing a lot of voluntary work and Uh, We are really blessed uh, to to be able to have him mentor a number of pastors in my region where I work, and I happen to be one of those pastors. So it's a real blessing to have you here. David, welcome again. And we are just so thrilled that you are here this afternoon to share your testimony. And I see there's a a couple of people that have already uh, texted in. Uh, with, a, with a thought or a comment. One, one actually. It's David. So David, thank you for your comment. Good afternoon. Shell and David and Danny. Kind regards, David Edgar of Clarkson SDA Fellowship. So he's one of our regular listeners. So David, thank you so much for your message. If anyone does have any comments, any questions that you want to ask David, um, to maybe share a little more on when he's sharing his story, feel free to do that. Our number is 04888 one seven six two four. That's O four triple eight one seven six two four. And we are just so blessed to have David here to share this story. We'll be having a giveaway as always, and the code word will be coming in a little bit once we share with you what the giveaway is. So stay tuned for that. Well, David, let's begin by asking you what scripture from the thousands of scriptures that we have in the Old and New Testament, would best summarize your faith journey, your experience, what it, what it is that, that led you to the point of where you are today and where you have been for a number of
3: decades. Danny, uh, thanks for the opportunity. There are so many scriptures, but the one I guess that means a whole lot to me is uh, found in John chapter 5 and verse 24. Mm -hmm. and uh, my friends joke that uh, if the Lord doesn't come, uh, (laughs) they should put that on my headstone. (laughs) Okay.
0: Well, do you want to read that for Uh, us?
3: Yes. um, I tell you the truth, and these are the words of Jesus, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. There's no buts, there's no maybes. They have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death unto life. And that's the beautiful assurance Mm. that uh, I guess is the foundation of my faith, Mm. that in Jesus Christ we don't have to be worried.
0: Mm.
3: We are sure of our salvation, we are sure of our future, and that to me is is just a bulwark.
0: Wow! And and how relevant these words are in this day and age, where there is so much uncertainty. Oh yes, there's uncertainty in the economy, uh, politically, environmentally. We've talked about that. Um, you know, th- socially, parents are wondering. You know, what future do our children have? Mm-hmm. Um, People, parents are wondering, you know, what future for the education of our children, uh, alarmed with some of the things that are happening in education. So to have that scripture, to have that assurance is something especially precious in this day and age.
3: That's right. We do not have to fear mm. if we know the Lord. Signed, sealed, and delivered. Mm.
0: It's amazing how often Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled, or do not fear, do not be afraid, why are you anxious? He uses that language Mm. over and over again in the Gospels.
3: Mm. And this is another way of saying that probably the most famous Bible text, John 3.16, for God so loved the world Mm. that he gave his only son that whoever believes will have eternal life. And then verse 17 says... They will not come into condemnation. Mm. So once again, it's summed up here so beautifully in this text.
0: It is. It is. Yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful scripture. And thank you for sharing that. And as you shared, there's many scriptures, and but this is one. Um, if you were to, if you were to rest until the Lord's coming, and I hope and pray that you won't, because I certainly <laughs> need you um, a lot longer in my life and my journey. You've been a wonderful mentor, wonderful encouragement to me. You and your dear wife, and we're going to get to. We're going to get to, I call her dear, <laughs> dear Elaine's her name, and um, yeah, we're, we're just such, um, such great friends, and we're going to talk a little bit about how you met her. But let's start off at the beginning, David. Um, how, how did you come into this world? Under what circumstances? So let's start off right at the beginning.
3: Well, the circumstances are not the most savoury, I guess. <laughs> um, I'm the birth son of an American serviceman, and a New Zealand lady. Um, In Auckland, New Zealand, they were going out together for 12 months and he'd been totally accepted in the family. And uh, when he left, I don't know, uh, but emotions got high somewhere along the line and uh, I'm the result. And um, my birth mother wanted to keep me, Mm -hmm. but her mum said, no, dear, um, you've got to give him up. And I was born in the home of Compassion in Auckland. And at the age of two weeks, a family came in looking for a little baby girl. (laughs) And they walked out with a little baby boy.
0: Oh, wow. Did they dress you in pink? Uh, Did they get all confused? (laughs) No, thankfully no. Must have been your smile just...
3: I must have been cute back then. There I, must have been something. Yeah, something happened on, <laughs> something happened on the way. And so I was raised in, uh, the family Bertelson. That is my family. Mm. When I talk of mum and dad, it's the family Bertelson. Yeah, your adopted, your my, adoptive my parents. My adoptive parents. Uh, I had an older brother who's passed away who is 17 years my senior and the younger brother who has uh, sadly uh, cancelled me. Mm. He's a year and 11 months younger than myself. And so I grew up as a farmer's son. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, Dad used to go fishing on Sunday and send us off to off to church.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, up to the age of probably maybe eight-ish, seven, eight, nine in there, I can't put a figure on it, um, God had told me that I was going to be a minister for him wow in the faith that I had and it wasn't till how, how did that come about did you just sense that or did it was, how, how did it come
0: about because that's that's not something that most kids would say they have this sense that they're going to be a minister at the age of 7 8 or 9
3: yeah well it was just that deep conviction mm, that that's wow. what god wanted me to do mm-hmm. and i let it go because i didn't want to dishonor god And that came about because of the incense that was used in worship services that uh, I used to feel faint about.
0: (laughs) Okay, so you're talking about incense going to church. I'm assuming we're talking about like a Roman Catholic church where you were attending. So with your mother um, at the time, like, or you said your dad would send you away, he'd go fishing. So did you guys go with mum or did you guys just go on your own? Well, we...
3: I mean, it wasn't every week that he didn't go, but, uh, okay. Um, he tended to enjoy his fishing more mm. than church, <laughs> I guess. And, uh, it was, I didn't want to dishonor God by mm. fainting as a priest. Mm. And so I let the idea go. And, uh, we had a fabulous, fabulous priest. Um, he had been a missionary in in the Amazon basin, evidently, and he would drop in a home and he would tell us stories. and He was just such a great guy. In fact, um, if his bishop had known what he did one Sunday, he probably would have been moved on. What happened? He got through the mass in seven minutes, so that we seven minutes so that we could go to the motor racing together. <laughs> and uh, would that be a Pukikaui? at Pukekohe? At Pukekohe. And I would sit on the hill at Boogie with him with his back to front collar without shame Mm. because he was such a neat guy. Mm. The next guy that came along, unfortunately, was an academic, um, not a people's person. He closed our little church down. And it was really at that point that I just waved goodbye to going to church. Mm. Uh, Got involved in sports and other things.
0: Like you were, you were heavily involved in rugby, which is the the number one religion in yes. New Zealand. The All Blacks, everyone's familiar with the All Blacks, the yeah. the Almighty, All Conquering, um, rugby national rugby team. So you were, you were like a really high, high, high end uh, rugby player, if I remember oh, I, correctly. I, I, I
3: wouldn't. I wouldn't go so far as to say that, but I did enjoy my rugby, A-grade rugby. A-grade, that's yeah—that's that's, that's at a high level. Yeah, and then um, when rugby finished, I uh, rowed uh, Cox Fours and uh, had the privilege of rowing New Zealand national champs. Wow, okay, yeah. so you were very much into fitness and health and well 365 days of the year, I, I was either training for rugby or training for rowing. Wow, okay. Yeah. and. Okay. Uh, I ended up, um, well, I trained as a draftsman and then um, the Vietnam War was on and I joined the army and um, ended up in the army school and and was uh, commissioned as an officer in the military. Uh, And it was during that time that I ended up in hospital, Mm. Uh, spent three months in hospital and... uh, there was this particular Seventh day Adventist nurse, and um, she asked me questions about my faith because she wanted to understand another nurse that she was friends with. And so, you know, here am I starting to talk to her about my faith when I wasn't practicing it. Felt a bit of a hypocrite, and so I went back to church. Um, she had a friend, um, and the two nurses I ended up kind of transport for them. Um, the nurse who got me started on a journey uh, ended up going out with a, a, a friend and was doing things that Seventh Day Adventist nurses shouldn't do uh, uh, on the Sabbath, etc. And uh, I ended up taking um the other nurse home and uh she said to me to her home not to my home and uh she said to me what are you doing you know this was saturday and i i kind of told a porky and said oh nothing but my my plans had been to go down the pub and have a couple of beers (laughs) because when she said let's go to you know come to church i was stunned well she invited you to come to church yeah and, and it's like, hang on, nobody goes to church on Saturday. That's when you go to rugby. And, uh, because I kind of caught myself in the net of, oh, well, no, I haven't got anything to do. I ended up going to church mm-hmm. and, uh, Pastor Ian Trevena, who will always be precious in my life. Um, I used to call him my little sparrow. Um, he preached uh, in his little church at Huntley. It's just
0: up the road from Hamilton, where I lived for four years now. That's right. And
3: um, and, and he he said some things that were very controversial to me. So I said to this um, young nurse, uh, whose name was Elaine, I said, I need to talk to that bloke. And my idea was that uh, I would beat him up and, uh, you know, (laughs) then move on. Well, he came round that afternoon after lunch and he said, oh, here you got some questions. Now, obviously the network had started. <laughs> and I said, yeah, this and this and this and this and this. And he said, oh, he said, no, I can't answer them all here. How about I come to your house? Mm, very wise man. Yes, yes, but I was wiser. <laughs> <laughs> I said... You know, I didn't want to fall into this Protestant trick Mm -hmm. uh, because when I'd finished with him, I didn't want him to know where I was. Mm -hmm. And so I said, no, 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 I'll come to your house. Mm. Well, um, that was probably the first time in my life that I'd ever really uh, been overpowered by the warmth of a family. Mm. Uh, You know, the wife and the husband and the daughters and the son – who, by the way, ended up as an Adventist pastor himself, Um, they were just so gushing. It was scary, you know. And uh, anyhow, I started going. In about three months, he held the Bible out to me and he said, you can see it's true, can't you? And I wanted to cut my tongue out because I said yes. Oh, wow. And on the way home, I thought, uh that's it, not going back. That got too close. And uh however the next Wednesday I found myself instead of going down the pub with the boys at work, I ended up going down to a Bible study with him. Wow. And that was the time when I think the Holy Spirit was working. And uh really that was my time of biblical conversion. Mm. And we studied together for two years. Wow,
0: well, so after three months, he asked you, does this stack up with Scripture? Yeah. And you had no other option other than to agree, yes, it does, That's what right. he was sharing with you. Yeah, yeah. And so, so he was he was patiently working with you, step by step, little by little, at your pace. If he would have come in guns blazing after the first week or two, and asked you that very confrontational question, that may have been the end of it.
3: I wouldn't have been sitting here.
0: Wow, 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 here. wow, wow. Well, 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 folk, we are on the edge and um, we are being blessed by this powerful testimony. We have a beautiful song right now, Rick feray The Old Rugged Cross. And uh, right after that, we're going to continue this exciting journey with David.
6: Honor a heap far away stood an old rugged cross the emblem of suffering and shame and I love that old cross where the dearest Slain. So I'll cherish the, the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I.
0: You're listening to the Faith FM Looking Up show with my good friend David who is sharing an incredible journey of faith and Shell who's directing traffic as always and doing a fantastic job and I'm doing my best to try and stay on top of things and most of the time I'm really struggling. So you keep me in prayer, keep Danny in prayer. (laughs) It's great to have you guys on board. And so if you want to share a comment, you've got a question. We've had one person already, David. Um, text in o four triple eight one seven six two four. That's o four triple eight one seven six two four. And Shell, what is our giveaway for this week?
1: This week the giveaway is um, the the book "Letters from a Skeptic," and it is a story of a father and son's journey of a of a just teaching um, Bible study to. Each other, I guess. Yes. Yeah, so the, the, so Greg and his father Ed were on opposite sides of a great divide. And Greg was a newfound Christian while his father was a long time agnostic. And so this is the story of the Bible studies that they did together.
0: Wow. That's not very different to what Dave will be sharing in the not-too-distant future. So that's very interesting, Shell, that we've got that book um, on offer. So the code word will be coming up in the next section. So don't go away. The code word's coming up at the beginning of our next section. So in the meantime, Dave, you had us on the edge of our seats and you were just sharing with us. Uh, regarding this Bible study that you were having with this pastor that's had a huge impact on your life, someone who you will respect forevermore and his family and the impact that they had, not just through Bible studies, but just through the love and the friendship. And you were like, they were gushing with love. I think you used that
3: that word. And so where to from here? Okay, well, I bought a Bible Mm -hmm. and that upset the family. Now, I have to say, at this stage, I'm 21 years of age. Um, My mum had died when I was coming up to 21. We were planning my 21st, and sadly, she passed away of cancer. And uh, then I was in hospital, uh, as I mentioned, and uh, when I bought a Bible, that did not go down well with Dad. And so... Um, burn the Bible or leave.
0: Wow. He gave you an ultimatum. Yes. Burn the Bible or leave. Yes. Yeah. So obviously,
3: you know, I didn't burn the Bible because mm. I was as stubborn as he was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, for a period of time, I lost my older brother and his family, which are very precious to me. And uh yeah. So I continued with those studies for a couple of years with Pastor Trevina and then I was baptised. During that time, um, it worked out well that I was downgraded militarily um, and given an honourable discharge because it would have been a difficult thing for them to have swallowed the pill that I did not want to be part of the combat brigade again. I was an officer in the artillery. And uh, so, you know, even though the problem on the spine was annoying and had me in hospital for a period of time, uh, it certainly worked to my good to be able to then uh, move away. Mm. Now, the interesting thing was that as I started to study the Bible, God tapped me on the shoulder again. And he said, remember what I want you to do for me. And that's like, hang on, God, I don't even know all the books of the Bible. How can you possibly be asking me to be a minister now in the Seventh-day Adventist church? And so um, I spoke with Elaine about that. We had formed a friendship. uh, And she said, well, it's been very nice uh, being friends But see you later. Oh wow! Why would she say that? Because she said she couldn't be a minister's wife. Is this dear? That's my dear wife. Yes. Fifty-four years later. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So she didn't want to be a minister's wife. And yet, later we discovered that when she was a little girl, she wanted to be a minister's wife and a missionary.
7: Wow! You know,
3: and she got both. (laughs) So um, I lost my family. And, uh, yeah, that was pretty traumatic. So
0: what happened
3: as you lost your family?
0: You shared, you know, the ultimatum that your dad gave you. Where did you go? Like I'm, you I'm, decided that the Bible would not be burnt, that that would be what you'll be put your faith in trust. Where did you go?
3: I moved out and uh, moved into a single room in a boarding house and, uh, yeah, continued mm. on from there. So there's this, the, the secular part, of my life as a draftsman and the secular part as a military officer, they combined. And then, of course, in came the big spiritual challenge. And uh, Elaine and I spent a couple of weeks in prayer and uh, she said, yeah, okay, I can deal with that. And it's at that point that we got a bit serious and uh, became a couple, Mm. um, married and... Went to Longburn College in New Zealand for the mm-hmm. first year of theology. Which is in
0: Palmerston North. Yes. Most people are wondering where that is, yeah. Yeah,
3: and then on to Avondale College and, uh, yep, life went on. We had two girls while we were at college. Then we went down to Wollongong
2: hmm.
3: uh, and Coralmore Churches in the early 70s and worked there. Um Great time! I have beautiful friends.
0: So, is that when you started ministering? Do you remember the year you first started pastoring a church after Avondale? Nineteen
3: seventy-five.
0: Nineteen seventy-five. I was barely out of nappies. <laughs> yeah. well, I was not. barely we're, out we're, of nappies, that, and you're out there on the front lines ministering. We oh, won't go. Yeah,
3: we won't go there, Denny.
0: That's not a good. <laughs>
3: that's not a good picture. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah.
0: Now, um, you shared wh- how your family responded. Yes. Uh, what about your friends? I mean, you had rugby friends, you had work friends, you had other friends. How did they respond to your newfound faith and the new spiritual direction that you were heading uh toward, not just not just, you know, in an everyday sense, but you were looking to make a career out of being
3: a minister of the gospel. How did in, they respond? In a short word, they thought I was nuts. <laughs> and and the engineer manager, um, who I worked with at the Power Board in Pugikoe. He said, I can't understand where you're going <laughs> he um it was Peter Snell's brother, actually, mm. Jack, and uh, he just said to me, I, I don't know where you're going. Wow, so we went to college and then down to Wollongong, and then from there we got a call to Papua New Guinea.
0: Well how did that all transpire?
3: Oh that was like a lead balloon in our lives. Um, we got a phone call one night, and it was uh, there's a call to go to P and G. And Elaine is very perceptive; she can understand what's going on on one side of the phone when she's only listening to my responses. And she said, and and it was quite late at night. And she said, "Is that a call to the Mission Field?" And I said, "Yes." She said, "No." <laughs> So foolishly, I said, um, well, let's pray about it and see what God's, you know, have a, go to sleep and see what God does in the morning. Well, go to sleep. That was a joke. <laughs> you know, we had a very strong discussion that night. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next morning we knelt down and gave it to the Lord and she said, okay, let's go. Wow. Because she didn't want to take two little girls up into the sea pick. Okay, so two little girls, they were born, how old were they? Uh, four and six. Oh, wow. Yeah, and she didn't want to take them up to the sea pick with snakes and crocodiles and scorpions. And as it happened, you know, we would have scorpions in the house mm. and uh, snakes at the back door kind of thing. Uh, but we went and um, for several weeks we la- slept on wire wove because now, our goods had been lost. Now, what is that? It's plain to our listeners. Why wove is, is what your mattresses used to be lo- put on top of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have wooden slat bags or, or you have water beds, etc. And these were bed frames with uh, wire woven together, and uh, we slept on that until our goods arrived, and uh, our daughters slept on um, pillows and cushions mm. on their beds so that they could get a better sleep. We were in the CPIC and it was a tremendous time. Mm. Uh, we were quite far out in Marprik, and, uh, look, if you ask Elaine, she will tell you they were the best years of so our history. So how ministry. many years
0: did you spend there?
3: We spent a couple there. Then we went on to Vanuatu mm-hmm. um I was a district director in New Guinea, went on to Vanuatu uh, where right on independence I was president of the mission and had some pretty unique uh, challenges to face there. From there we went on to the Solomons, uh, to the union where I had four departments and six countries Mm. and uh, we worked it out one year that I'd been away from home for eight months of the year.
0: Wow. I was going to ask you that question because, yeah, I know there's large distances that you've got to travel and travel is not like it is here in Australia. And generally speaking, you spend a lot of time away running seminars, visiting and encouraging pastors, pastors and training and so forth. Yes, yes. Eight months you are away. And so Elaine's at home with your two little girls. Not eight months as a block. No, no,
3: no, but but coming and going, coming and and going. Yeah, eight months
0: out of twelve for the year you you weren't at home. Wow.
3: Yeah, so she's a very special. So how how
0: did how did Elaine um, cope with you being away for so long because she couldn't exactly pick up the phone, the mobile phone. There was none of that that back then. Um, Well,
3: uh, this might shock the folks on on the news of listening, but she just. Acted as though I was dead. Wow, that's that's her way of coping at mm. that time. Mm. And uh, yeah, it uh, it was pretty tough times, but a special person mm, indeed. And uh, you know, she's been a back backstop of my ministry um, all through those years. And uh, we from New Guinea. As I said, went on to Vanuatu, a newly independent country with challenges, then on to the Solomons, um, and then from there we had a couple of calls to the States. But we'd been away 15 years. She'd lost her dad when we were in New Guinea, and her mum was unwell, and we said, no, we needed to go back to New Zealand. And we did for 19 years, worked in um, pastoral field work, worked in the office, worked in education as a Bible teacher and chaplain, and then the conference put a lot of money into my training as a psychologist and psychotherapist, and I became then um, school counsellor. Wow. From there, I went down to Wellington and uh, worked in the Wellington Central Church, which had its own challenges. And God saw us through those in a beautiful way. And wherever we have been, God has given us friends. Wow. You know, mm. and that's the beauty of ministry, uh, that you make special friends in those different areas. And, uh, yeah, that was our experience mm. throughout our ministry.
0: Now, how, and we'll need to spend a little bit of Tom and is potentially after our break, which was coming up in a little bit. But maybe you can lead off. And how did your girls uh, respond to life in a completely different culture? They were very young at the time, six and four, I think you mentioned when yes, you left the shores we of left Australia. When and um, they were
3: teenagers when we came back into yeah. the homeland, so to speak. Susan and Carolyn. Carolyn, your two girls. Yeah, Carolyn, the oldest. She can't remember saying this to me, but one a few years ago, she said to me, "Dad, I loved my time in the islands because it could be spiritual seven days a week." Mm. She uh, she married an optometrist, and so she's kind of can't take her children out into the Pacific mm. uh, to the same experience that she had. But uh, she said they were precious times in her life.
0: Wow, so you could be yeah. a Christian seven days a week. So uh, Christian faith permeated every aspect of life, especially in those rural, remote areas.
3: That's true, mm. yeah, very much so.
0: Wow, that must be very special. And I know from what you've shared with me that your daughters uh, valued their experience so much there and, and it, it has developed them and grown them and shaped them to to the wonderful Christian Uh, Women, they are now who have their own families. um, And we praise the Lord for those experiences that have kept them closer to the Lord than may have been otherwise um, if they would have grown up here in this part of the world. So that's very exciting. We're going to listen to Steve Grace in Jesus and then David will be sharing more. So don't go away. I've tried
5: in vain a thousand ways My fears to quell, my hopes to raise But what I need, the Bible says Is ever only Jesus Steal. I cannot see, I cannot feel, for life, for life, I must appeal. blame I'll go with all my guilt and shame I'll go to him because his name
0: That was a beautiful song from Steve Grace and just a a beautiful message of Jesus and his incredible love for us. You're listening to The Looking Up Show with our special guest, David Bertelson, Pastor David Bertelson. It's a blessing to have him in the studio here sharing his story with us. And Shell directing traffic as always, and I'm here as well, Danny. And it's great to have you joining us on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon here in The Hunter. We have our giveaway that we want to give the code word to in just a couple of moments. But before that, Shell, tell us one final time our giveaway is for this week.
1: The giveaway is letters from a skeptic. And yeah, it's a story, I guess it's a whole bunch of letters just that the son and the father wrote back and forth to each other when the son was just working with his dad through his agnostic uh, days and just all of his questions when he was upset with his son for choosing to become a Christian. And so they covered topics like, do all non-Christians go to hell? How can we believe a man rose from the dead? Why is the world so full of suffering? How do we know the Bible was divinely inspired? And does God know the future? So you can tell from I want to know what the answers are to some of those things too, right? So yeah, this will be a great book to get a hold of. So if you want to get this book, you need to send in the code word. And what is our code, now The
0: code word for this week is... Drum roll. Drum roll. Here we go. LU23 Life. Life. LU23 Life. And that connects with uh, what David shared with us earlier from John Chapter 5 where... We can have the assurance of eternal life. He who has the Son has life, and we don't need to be afraid. So L-U-23, the number 23, so L for Larry, U for umbrella. Or twen- L
1: for looking and U for up.
0: Yeah, I should have thought of it. That's like a no-brainer.
1: <laughs> and, the, the and the year 2023.
0: That's why Charissa is here in this spot every week. It's been abundantly clear. Don't need to go any further. (laughs) That is clear evidence enough. So LU for looking up and 23 for the year 23. (laughs) Life. And so text that to our... Looking up number which is O four triple eight one seven six two four. That's O four triple eight one seven six two four. You should have that locked into your phone if you're a regular listener and even if you're not, lock that number into your phone. And the first six listeners will get that fantastic book. So far away, LU twenty three life. All one word, no spaces, no in emojis how do you say it emojis emojis <laughs> i'm telling you that's why charissa is here i don't need to say anymore well david it's been great hearing your story and uh, we've ended up from New Zealand uh, to to the to, to the islands, uh, back to Australia now, and we're in Wollongong that area. So where to from here? Before we we're going to tap into some incredible miracle stories as we go along. So that's still coming up. We're gonna we're gonna leave we're gonna leave some of those um, beauties for right at the end of the program. But yeah, let's continue with your journey, you and Elaine and your two girls have come back from the mission field and you're now ministering here in this part of the world.
3: Yeah. Um, we came back from the Pacific to New Zealand. Because, oh, sorry, New Zealand, yeah, yes. Yeah, because Elaine, we'd been away for 15 years. She'd lost her dad mm. when we were in New Guinea, and uh, her mum was not well. And so rather than accept America and Australia, we said, no, we need New Zealand. And um, I'm glad that we did because six months after we got to New Zealand, Elaine's mum passed away. And so I would have found it difficult to have held her away from those last period of times with the mum. The Growing up in the family that I did, mum was a little lady, about five foot one, and She did have a heart, as I often say, as big as Texas. Mm. I can remember 23 welfare children by name that she cared for in my growing up years. And, um, in fact, my older brother married one of those ladies. Oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, she's been a good friend for 70-odd years. Um, And, sadly, she lost her husband... uh, a few years ago, um, but yeah, it's uh, it was a beautiful family to grow up in uh, because of of the love that Mum shared. She didn't express it with words; she just did it with deeds. Mm. And uh, when I went back to a primary school reunion uh, after many many years a chappie called me aside and he said, do you realise what your mother did for this community? Mm. And, of course, you don't. As as a growing up young person, you just don't Mm. uh, realise that. But if there's a sadness in my life, it's that as a teenager I gave my mum and dad hell. Mm. And in Jesus she never, ever saw the man that I became.
0: Mm.
3: And so I, I carry that. Mm. if you like, a scar, yeah, that um, she didn't see her input into my life and the results in Jesus Christ. So, you know, you move on, you you, you carry those things, and uh, I, I hope to see her one day again.
0: Mm. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Now, you mentioned at the very beginning of the program that you were adopted. Yes. Uh, couple of weeks after your birth, uh, your, your parents, your mum and dad, as you referred to them, came yeah. and they, they adopted you after a girl and ended up with a, a little a little, little bubbly boy. <laughs> um, did, you, did you ever get an opportunity to meet your birth mother and your birth father? And if so,
3: what transpired? Okay, well, that, that's a very interesting question, Danny. Um, my birth father, I never met him. He was an American GI, uh, and after the war went back up to Minnesota and Wausau in Wisconsin. Uh, I have three siblings in the States, but I've never been able to get satisfactory contact with them. I was to meet my birth father in 1993, but 1992 was not a good year health-wise, and my doctor said to me, ''David, you might get on the plane.'' but I can't guarantee that you'll get off it. Mm. I spoke with him a few times on the phone. I'm not a phone person. I'm an eyeball person. Mm. And, uh, yeah, he um, he acknowledged me, but uh, his family won't acknowledge any contact that I've tried to make. With my birth mum, uh, she placed a veto after the 1986 law change in New Zealand to stop me making contact with her because her husband didn't know about me. Oh, wow. And uh, so she tried to protect herself. However, (laughs) I'm a fairly determined kind of guy, so um, I ended up manipulating documents and and got a name and then spent time in the library and searched that out. And uh, ultimately was able to make contact with her. And um, the counsellor lady who went and visited with her said, "She she's lived with you as a shadow all of her life and she would like to meet you after Christmas because she'll be with her other son and daughter. Well, it was less than a week later that uh, the counsellor lady made contact with Elaine and Elaine knew my transporting going past our doorway from one Bible study to another and she's out on the road and waved me down and she said, your mother wants to meet you next week. She can't wait. And um, so I met her a week later. She had had a dream that she would meet me beside a fountain that I would be a priest.
0: Wow. So God gave her a dream. Yeah. To prepare her for that moment.
3: After... Her sister-in-law had said, somebody's looking for you. Um, And then she had this dream. Well, I did meet her beside a fountain and I was a minister. (laughs) And uh, so it was an incredible thing to to actually meet blood. Mm. You know, it was just just an amazing thing for us both. And uh, after she'd left, of course, I went home to my family. She went back to her sister, who was the only living person who knew about me, she thought. <laughs> but That's another story. And her sister said, well, you've met him now. That's it. F- forget about it. And she said, no, 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 no. This is the beginning. Mm. And so we would meet uh, quite often. She'd hop on a bus and uh, I would meet her somewhere and we'd go and have a meal. She then became totally part of our family. She was able to go to our youngest daughter's wedding in, in New Zealand. Um, she would come to 21st birthdays of the girls and she was just part of the family. Wow. And it was a neat thing. And then in actual fact, I ended up knowing her more for more years than I knew my mum. Wow. That's incredible. And yeah. My yeah, mum died when I was 20 and uh i knew her for 27 years mm. um and she was going to let get me in touch with her family but then she she felt that she had to be faithful to her husband and uh it wasn't until after the death of her husband uh through actually my interest in motor cars that uh i met up with one of my cousins now he didn't know about that but when I asked her about him, she said, oh, yes, he's a lovable rascal. Um, and then she froze and said, how do you know him? And I said, through the car club. Does he know? The answer was no, because I'd given him my word mm-hmm. and integrity is in our word mm-hmm. that I would not make contact with any members of the family. But one of the other people in the club who knew her uh, or knew of my story Um, when this cousin had come back from overseas, said to him, oh, you know you've got a cousin in the club? And uh, he said, no. She said, yes, you have. And he went, no, I haven't. Yes, you have. No, I haven't. Okay, well, who is it? And he told her. She told him, that is. And he said, oh, I know David, because there was a blood attraction at the car club. Whenever Mm. he would be there and I was there, he would come and we would talk. Oh, he said, I know him. And he said, I'll be in New Zealand next week. I'll go visit him. And he did. And then he said to me, I'm going to Australia next week. I'll see your brother. And I said, please be careful. I do not want to lose what I have just found. Mm. And um, so he came to Australia and he said to me, he said, if your brother is the same guy that I grew up with, I will tell him if he's different, I won't. Well, can I can I use the word that uh, my brother used when he was told that he had a brother? Not, I won't. Well, <laughs> next weekend, Elaine and I were coming over to spend the weekend with our daughter. He came down from Newcastle with his partner, and uh, the two ladies were sitting there looking at the two of us, and they decided that we had the same hairline, the wow. same tummy shape, the same, <laughs> the same arms and legs. Uh, you know, we were peas in a pod. And, wow. and in actual fact, when i have been out with my brother, um, people have gone, oh, yeah, hey, you guys are brothers, aren't you? You know, there's that just that sort of thing. So he and I got on well. His sister lived in Wellington. My sister lived in Wellington, but when she was told she felt that she needed to be faithful to her dad's memory and didn't necessarily want to make contact with me. But two weeks before we came back to Australia, she made contact. Wow. Uh, it's a casual contact, unlike my brother here, because he's interested in motor cars, as am I, and he's just finished building a car, as have I. You know, So it's, it's, it's quite amazing, the similarities.
0: Amazing how yeah. far genetics goes. And wow, what a, what a story of reunion. And indeed, that's so fitting for our next song, Big Enough, from the Clark family. We'll have the news after that. And we're looking forward to the rest of this exciting journey.
8: I've got a heart that's full of faith-filled helplessness there are mountains to hear that I can't move by myself. But I know when I'm weak, He's strong. When I can barely breathe, there's still a song. Even though it's hard right now, I'm not here on my own. So when it seems it can't be done, I know God is big enough. I can run the race I'm called to run, cause I know God is big enough. We'll finish everything he starts, we'll meet us right here where we are. And I can feel faith rising up, cause I know God is big enough. There are days when the shadows of doubt make me feel small I declare that I don't stand in my strength at all Cause I won't live a day you didn't plan Every single moment is in your hands Even if the whole world shakes You're the rock on which I stand when it seems it can't be done I know God is big enough I can run the race I'm called to run
3: Cause I know God is big
8: enough The will finish everything He starts. We'll meet us right here where we are And I can feel faith rising up Cause I know God is big enough up. Bigger than the fear that surrounds me Bigger than the chains that it bound me Bigger than the story my past could tell Bigger than the weight of tomorrow
2: Bigger than the hurt and the sorrow Bigger than the
8: lies I've told myself seems it can't be done I know God is big enough I can run the race I'm called to run Cause I know God is big enough Oh will finish everything he starts I'll meet us right here where we are And I can feel faith rise enough I know God is big enough I can run the race I'm called to run Cause I know God is big enough He'll finish everything He starts He'll meet us right here where we are And I can feel faith rising up Cause I know God is big enough
5: questions you need answered the popular question of the day segment has moved lyle southwell will answer every bible question you have on his new time spot thursdays at 5 p.m eastern standard time on faith fm during the afternoons with shell program so send your questions to info at faithfm.com.au or text us at 4 808 56
0: We are in the last section of our wonderful program this afternoon and it really has been a blessing and a joy to to hear the story of of David Bertelson Pastor David Bertelson what a what a blessing and if you're, if you're joining us uh, right now, you will need to listen to this testimony from the beginning. And if you're listening um, at a later time as a podcast, I know that you have been blessed. And in this last section, before we got to sign off, unfortunately, uh, we have some more incredible testimonies of what God has done in and through David's life. And so before we get into that, let's just tie off a little of your story. There's so much more And we don't have time for that. But you were sharing with me during the break regarding uh, your birth mother's funeral and what took place there. Do you want to share a little on that?
3: Yes. She passed away in Wellington, um, was cremated there and then brought up to be her ashes to be interned in her husband's grave. And me being me, I'm always early and I had located the grave and saw the little hole And came back and was sitting in the car and a a chap kept walking around the grave and so I got out of the car and walked over to him and he was one of my cousins and uh, he looked at me and he said, well, you'd be David. Whoops, (laughs) that blew me away because nobody was meant to know. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, he said, look, I'll be looking after the the, uh, graveside here, he said, your brother and sister want you to be mentioned. You're her firstborn. And I said, no, we can't do that. We can't spoil her reputation. And he said, well, they want you to be mentioned. So as every cousin turned up, they're all, hello, David, hello, David. <laughs> it's like, well, hang on a mo, you're not meant to know anything. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, and there are about, I forget how many, maybe 15 or more cousins mm. there. And the ladies all gave me big hugs. And as the ashes were passed around and they were given to me, one of the girls came up and just put her arm around my shoulder. Mm. I say girls, but, you know, mm. a mature lady put her arm around my shoulder and, yeah, and then just let me pass the ashes on. And uh, as we were sitting having a couple later, they said, we can understand your mum not wanting us to know until she knew you. Mm. But what a shame she didn't let us all know then because we could have had fellowship. Mm. And uh, as it is, you know, I'm in Australia, they're in New Zealand and, and so it didn't happen like that. But Danny, there's one thing that I I, I left out that in 1992, I had a bad health year. And after one of my heart operations, um, the next day they came in to withdraw tubes and stuff like that. And they put a clicker in my hand if anything went wrong. And I started to get hot incredibly hot. It was like I felt I was burning up. And then I also felt like I was getting very heavy and sinking into the mattress. Mm. So I went to kick the blankets off with my leg and my leg didn't respond. That's strange. I went to throw the blankets off with my arm and my arm didn't respond. And I thought, oh, I'm in trouble here. So I went to push the button in my hand and my thumb wouldn't respond. Wow. And I thought, I'm in trouble And just as I started to black out, and this is the beauty of the Christian faith, this is the beauty of the assurances, I was able just to say in my mind, I'll see you in the morning, Lord, Mm. and then I was gone. Mm. The next thing I know is I heard voices, (laughs) it wasn't wasn't the voices of angels or lights of heaven or anything. It was the nurses saying, we've got him. He's holding at 35. We think we've got him. He's wow. holding. And then I got my vision back, and they were pumping a bag of adrenaline straight into the back of my hand. And obviously they resussed me, and my heart did hang around 35 for two or three days. But the beauty, you know, and... I'm not afraid of death mm. because I've been there. Mm. And the beauty was the peace that God gave me mm. at that time. You know, it was, it was just, it always will be a, a point in my life of reference of the goodness of God.
0: That assurance that you yeah. had, which we talked about at the very beginning yeah. of your journey from John 5, you know, yeah. he who has, the son has life, you know, we can have the assurance. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, And that is the beauty of the Christian faith. And that is why one of my favorite scriptures is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. When I had my cancer scare and the peace that I experienced during that, that beautiful scripture where the Apostle Paul writes, Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving in your heart, let your request be made known to God, and then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's Absolutely. that beautiful piece of God that surpasses all understanding. I love that's the right. language that Paul uses. We can't explain it; we can only experience it. I tell people you can't explain it; you can only experience it, and that's what you're sharing right now from your own personal experience. That's right. So, in these next few minutes, before we unfortunately have to sign off, we could have this program go on for hours and hours. Let's let's tap into uh, a few a few powerful miracle working faith experiences that you have been blessed to be part of through the power of God. There is one in Wollongong that you've shared with me on at least one or two occasions. Do you want to share that with our listeners? This would be very powerful on prayer.
3: Yeah. Um, I got a phone call. I was pastoring Wollongong and Coromel churches, and I got a phone call from a lady, and she said, David, can you please pull the church together for my daughter? Um. She found out today that she has a tumor the size of a grapefruit in her lady's organs. And so we pulled the church together. We had about 170 people come to prayer meeting that night. And we laid it before the Lord. There were tears, there were joy, there was, you know, all, a whole range of emotions. And this young lady went under surgery the next day. And there was nothing. Nothing? Nothing.
0: No tumour? No tumour. God had dealt
3: with it overnight. Wow. And uh, she'd actually gone to the doctor because she'd been married a few months and and thought, oh, maybe I'm going to have a baby. Mm. And that's what they wanted. But it wasn't. It was this tumour. Well, my last Sabbath in Wollongong before I moved out to Papua New Guinea, I had the privilege of dedicating that little baby girl to Jesus. Wow. She shouldn't have had a baby, mm. but God gave her a baby. And, in fact, she had more than one. But what a beautiful thing that God allowed for me to dedicate that little baby girl mm. to him. Power of prayer. Yeah. The power Just of prayer. Just awesome. And as it happened, there were three incidents each three in each following week. The next week I got a phone call from one of the older members in Coromel and he said that his wife has just had pathology, she has malignancy in her breast and uh, they're going to operate. So we had a prayer meeting at the time of the surgery and we, we put what I call an umbrella of prayer. Somebody was praying for her every half an hour through the day. At half past five before prayer meeting in that church, um, I rang him and he said she's still in recovery, which was a little bit scary, but we decided we'd have a praise session anyhow. And so we did there and then moving on to Wollongong Church, we did the same thing. The next day when the surgeon came in, he asked her to move her arm, thinking that because of all the surgery, the removal of her breast and the lymph nodes under the arm. She'd barely be able to move her arm. She put her arm up. And the surgeon got the shock of his life. Three weeks later, she was out on appeal for missions. Oh, wow. And she died at aged over 100. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, you know. And then the next week.
0: Wow, so this all happened three weeks in three a row. Three
3: weeks in a row. Wow. The next week, another lady in the church... Um, Leading, went in under surgery, and we, we said, Lord, we know the first one was identifiable, the second one had been identified. Please let this one be nothing. And uh, when they opened her up, it was just a little cyst, mm. and she was home that night. Praise the Lord. The devil had attempted to wreck the churches, mm. but God had come through, and there was tremendous praise because three weeks in a row he had answered the prayers of his of his people. Mm.
0: So yeah. there are people who are listening right now who are going through a difficult time, a challenging time. Mm-hmm. You talked about the peace that you had in your heart, especially when you felt as if this was the end and, you know, you... Your, your final words before you lost consciousness where I'll see you in the, in the morning, Lord. Yes. Um, what do you want to share with the folk who are really down and discouraged and feel like they're in a very dark space? How can they, how can they find what you have had and what you continue to have?
3: It can only be found in Jesus. And if people know the Lord... They can have the peace of the indwelling Holy Spirit that is bigger than any circumstance. Um, and that's where it's at. Right now, my own daughter is going through that. And though we are concerned, we are not down and defeated. Mm. You know? mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's just a beautiful thing. I could talk about a little blind girl. In yeah, the, tell us
0: about her, yes. In the
3: Solomon Islands, I was starting a layman training school up at Kuala Besi, on the island of Malaita And this young couple came to me, just teenagers with their little, beautiful little baby, and they said, Pastor David, you talked about faith. We want you to pray that Jesus will bless our daughter. She was born blind. And, you know, my heart sank because who are we to be able to ask the lord of that huge miracle mm. so we looked at scripture and they said pastor if she doesn't see we still know god's answer the prayer and so we prayed and i had this feeling that um she would look at me when we said amen but she was asleep. I must have prayed for too long. <laughs> but I left that area at half past three the next morning. But when I came back a few weeks later, that little girl could see. Wow. So the hand of God is not short. Mm. And it was their faith in all of these situations, nothing to do with me. It was their faith, their hope, and their trust in God that brought about the healings. mmm.
0: And the faith that even if God doesn't heal our daughter, even if he doesn't open her eyes, we will still believe that he has answered our prayer. That's right. That was was their words.
3: Yeah, Yeah. wow. That was their words.
0: You must have seen a lot of miracles
3: there in the Pacific. God, and in the homeland, God is not hampered by where we live but he responds to the faith of those who make the request.
0: And you have have had a prayer ministry on the radio where you had dial a prayer for a number of years there in Wollongong. Yes, that's true. And how God used that, and I'm sure many have been blessed through that. And really it's been such a blessing and a joy having you on our program this afternoon sharing your journey of faith, your journey of peace, your journey of assurance. And we know that our listeners... We'll be thoroughly blessed as they meditate on the things that you have shared because if there's anything that we need in these uncertain times it's that peace that passes all understanding that God alone can give through his son Jesus Christ and so thank you so much for sharing uh, we've got a song that we're going to go to in just a moment from Lisa Cochran God leads us along his eye is on the sparrow and I think that's a beautiful fitting way for us to conclude this journey of faith. Thank you so much. The eye of the Lord is on the sparrow and his eye is on us. As Jesus said, if the sparrow falls out of its nest and the father knows it and sees it and cares, how much more are you of value than the sparrow? And we have been blessed to be tuning in on this day to David Bertelson, Pastor David Bertelson's testimony on how God has led and guided him over the many years of his life from those early beginnings all the way through to today and we pray in the many years to come according to the Lord's will and David it's been a real blessing to have you um, join us on the Looking Up show to share your journey of faith and you know you're, you're an inspiration to many and myself included you I don't know of too many people who have been through more operations than you have and we haven't really even <laughs> talked about that apart from uh, the, one, uh, the one item that you spoke of when you were there in the hospital for I think that three-month period where uh, there was um, a major transformation that took place you know, during those army days and that led to you being um, uh, honourably discharged, if I got that right. Uh, but you've been through so many operations. I don't know. Do, you, do you, can, you, can you even keep up with how many different operations you've had?
3: I choose not to. You choose <laughs> not to.
0: But you would never know it, folk. If you bumped into David, you would have no idea of not only the operations and the pain that he's gone through but that he continues to go through and, you know, the... the the heavy medication that he has to take in order just to get through some days. And you would never know it. He's always smiling. He's always praising the Lord. And he's just always so positive, always so, so positive, one of the most positive people that I know. And that's because of the Lord. That's because you have that peace that passes all understanding. You've got the assurance of Jesus. You know him. You have a relationship with him. And, folk, if you want to have that same experience, no matter what your experience is right now, what you're going through, if you want to have that same peace, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. You need to connect with him. There's no other way. And so, David, you've been an inspiration, and I'm going to invite you uh, to share a prayer, if you could, uh, for all of our listeners, just to pray that God will bless them and lead and guide them, and then I'll close with a few words. So would you be able to close in prayer? It's a privilege.
3: Father in heaven, you have led and you will continue to lead men and women on this earth. And we have different stories. Some are sad, some are glad, some are traumatic, and others are peaceful. And Father, I thank you for the journey that you have given to me and my family the journey of salvation that you have brought. And, Father, I just commit our listeners to that journey in Jesus. If they want peace, if they want joy, if they want to have a, some, someone that undergirds them through the tough times and joins them in the good times, Father, I pray that you all just bless and guide in the name of our Saviour, Jesus.
0: Amen. Amen and amen. And thank you so much for that. It really has been a a blessing and a privilege for us to have you on the Looking Up show this afternoon. And we wish you all the best. And we'll keep your daughter in prayer as well as as she leans on the Lord and is undergirded by him. Uh, as you have been and continue to be. And uh, we want to thank your wife as well for the blessing that she has been. And just a reminder, folk, um, the Newcastle seminar, Discover Hope, Finding Peace in Uncertain Times, begins this Friday night at the New Space University building there in Newcastle. Go to the website, discoverhope.life. That's discoverhope.life, and all the information's there. And I'd love to see you in person. It'd be lovely to meet you if you're living around the place. But in the meantime, until next week, remember, fear looks around, regret looks back, but faith always looks up. Keep looking up, and stay close to Jesus.
4: Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up when there's pain deep in your heart. Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up should the tears begin to start. With a prayer, all your cares He will cast into the depths of the sea, His love is always there for me.
7: That you felt. Take those feelings and melt them like the trees and the forest. Recreate you anew. You were pure like the rain, but the world seems to stain you, mark you, and bruise your very soul. But take my yoke, it is easy. Take my burden, it is light I have seen the tears fall from your eyes My peace will calm the tempest And still rage in the raging storm And my love will clear your sky. Love, you are warm. With my grace, I have formed you, called and ordained your very path. I'm your light, I'm your star, and it's me who makes you who you are. Yield to the molding, trust in me. Take my yoke, it is easy. Take my burden, it is light I have seen the tears fall from your eyes My peace will calm the tempest And still the raging storm And my love will clear your skies My love will clear your skies Take my oath take my burden it is light i have seen the tears fall from your eyes my peace will calm the tempest and still the raging storm and my love will clear your sky